I was brought home after watching Arachnophobia on opening weekend, and my parents went out. For any of you who haven't seen it, Arachnophobia is a 1990 movie starring Jeff Daniels, and I can't recommend it enough. It's very fun, and if you don't like spiders, very scary. But movies have a way of changing how we see things. Now I was home after having watched that particular movie, and it was my job to watch my sister while my parents went out. Not a big deal, I'd done it before many times. But this time, something happened that hadn't happened before. After using the bathroom, I saw a spider in the bathtub. It was bigger than most spiders I'd see around at the time, and it was brown the same shade of brown as the spiders from the movie I'd just seen. Still, not too big a deal. I ran the water in the tub just long enough to catch the spider, and I let it go down the drain. Satisfied, I turned to the sink to wash. Satisfied, I turned to the sink to wash my hands. In the sink was another spider, exactly the same. Still not terrible, but... I was a bit surprised. This hadn't happened before. Not one after the other like this in the house, and I was particularly rattled that this was happening on this particular night. I turned on the faucet and washed that spider down too. So that was taken care of. I finished washing my hands, left the room, went into the kitchen, and stopped short Another brown spider, just the same, inside the... was in the kitchen sink. This time, I hesitated before turning on the faucet. What were the odds? What were the odds of this happening on this night? I did reach forward, turned the faucet on, and washed that spider down the sink as well. Ran the disposal for good measure. Immediately after this, I turned and saw one on the wall above the stove. This time, there was no faucet I could simply turn on to wash it away. I gathered up a wad of paper towel in my hand, braced myself, and I leaned forward and squished it against the wall. I was repulsed when I felt it kick a little bit underneath that paper towel. Nothing happened the rest of the night, but nothing else had to. On any other night, it might have been fine. But movies have a way of changing how we see things. I'm Albie Robles, and I want you to scare me. When I was a boy, I found out that a close friend of the family was the daughter of Jim Sedow, who played the cook in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This led me to want to see that movie, long before I probably should have. But I'm so glad I did. I was terrified in the best possible way. The film itself looks dirty, gritty, amateurish. It was the first movie that ever gave me the impression that I was just seeing something that happened. 
Marilyn Burns' terror is so convincing that it is completely unnerving. And John Larroquette's opening narration does the rest of the convincing. Sure, maybe in your mind, logically, you understand that this is a movie that somebody made. But the rest of you doesn't understand that. The rest of you worries about where you stop during a road trip. The rest of you worries about what will happen if you find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it's not that you're worried about getting robbed or having your car stolen. It's because deep inside, there's a part of you that worries about something like this. When I first went into voiceover, one of the things I badly wanted to do was to get to do the same type of narration that John Larroquette did. When I found out that somebody was making an unofficial Texas Chainsaw Massacre prequel, I jumped at the chance, and I got it. The film is called The Sawyer Massacre, and it's being made by Canadian composer and filmmaker Steve Merlot. He's put together a trailer to help raise money for the film, and let me tell you, this guy understands what made the movie great. And while there have been remakes and many sequels to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they all lack that simplistic quality of the original. This is something that Steve Merlo seems to understand. And that's why I look forward to seeing what he puts together. He joins us today to talk about fear and horror movies. The first real horror experience I uh, can really, as far as horror movies go anyways, probably date back to, uh, you know, the Freddy Krueger Nightmare on Elm Street films uh, back in the early 80s. And my brother, my older brother was actually really obsessed with Freddy Krueger. I never really found Freddy to be that that scary. But, you know, you know, uh, we still thought it was kind of cool. But I think the first uh, real uh, thing that got me into horror was actually uh, 1988, Halloween 1988, that was uh, the Halloween 4, okay. the return of Michael Myers. And I remember seeing the, the TV spots. when <laughs> I'd never heard of Michael Myers before. So to me, seeing this, this uh, character for the first time and uh, just seeing, you know, just seeing the mask, right? The, I mean, the mask is, is iconic. So I remember seeing that mask for the first time and thinking, boy, that looks scary. I definitely think the original Halloween is scarier now that when you really watch the and, and as a film it's it's definitely scary but uh I think it was really my first exposure to like oh this is this is the boogeyman right here you know uh the idea of the boogeyman has always been sort of a uh a fascinating thing it, it's it's one of those things that we grew up with and not knowing what the heck it was we were just always told the boogeyman's going could could get you and, uh, you know, seeing Halloween 4 is like, okay, that's the, that is the boogeyman. You know, now we can put a, an image to the, you know, to, uh, to what we had in our minds all this time. You know, my older brother and I used to play together when we were very young. My, my younger brother was probably too young to play with. He was just a little baby. I was probably maybe around three and my older brother would have, would have been about four. But we would have this thing where we would, you know, if there was nothing good on TV, we would shut off all the lights in the basement and hide from the boogeyman. And basically the boogeyman was any noises we heard from upstairs. 
and we felt like it was something coming into the room from you know from somewhere else and we so we'd hide behind the couch and we'd get all scared and our adrenaline would be going and and it was just the boogeyman we never saw it we never saw the boogeyman it was just we heard noises from upstairs and that was the boogeyman you know you know obviously as you get older it's like okay the boogeyman's not real but in a sense he is real you know because I think everybody has a boogeyman. Everybody has something that they're scared of and they have a hard time facing. And uh, I think the willingness to to watch horror movies or read a horror book is almost a way of facing that fear. I like horror movies because, I, in a sense, I want to overcome my own fears and sort of discover those fears a little bit more. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, at least the first time I saw it, felt so real it was the first movie that felt like it wasn't a movie it was actually it was actually really happening and uh there are definitely moments in there that you you just want to turn it off uh because it just it seems so scary and uh, i didn't actually see it till i was about 12 i think and i have to say there are definitely moments in that film where you just yeah i I wanted to turn it off but at the same time you know i knew i couldn't knew that I just couldn't, you know, so. Well, I mean, I can only judge from certain experiences I've had. And I, I've heard a, a lot of people say certain things about that film that uh, seem goofy or something like that. Whereas like, uh, like uh, Marilyn Burns was when she was running away from Leatherface in, in the dark there in her arms, she's flapping her arms high and, just, you know, just really hysterical. And I've heard a few people uh, say that's, that's too unbelievable. Well, I've seen that before. <laughs> I think when you've actually seen that in real life, you know, it's, it makes a difference. And it depends on how scared you really are. Uh, when I was young, when, pretty young, not a little older than when we're talking about the boogeyman, but maybe I was eight or nine. And um, I was, uh, we were camping in the place nearby, not too far, in a rural area with my family. And there was this barn nearby. It was on somebody's property and we would sneak into the barn and well one day the property owner caught us and he had a shotgun and we all went running got got off the property except my one my one brother was stuck he got his leg caught in a in a, a hay shoot or something like that and he was stuck and you know he when he finally got out of there boy was seeing him run back with that guy chasing him with the shotgun that was the same the same look you saw from from Marilyn Burns in that in that chasing scene, so that kind of that kind of stuff hits home. When you are so frightened, you are going to look goofy. <laughs> you know, who knows what you're going to look like? Uh, I guess you could call it a little bit of disappointment with the remake that uh, made me sort of think start thinking of ideas. Uh, I don't hate on the remake. I don't I I don't love the film, but I think it it definitely. Uh, it has some good moments for sure, but it also has some really missed opportunities. So the opening scene sets up a really, really disturbing film. And I really felt that when I, when I saw it in theaters, I remember just getting so excited and, and that opening scene really told me this is going to be a super, super disturbing film. And I, I felt that the film itself really, really felt, felt, fell short of that. Unfortunately, it was like again. It was an okay film, but I, I I didn't get that disturbing factor that I was looking for, like the original had. I guess you know. I think that's 
that's what I'm always looking for in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. Am I really going to be disturbed by what I see? And I didn't get that. So I started thinking of ideas and eventually it, it took me a long time. Uh, had to actually learn how to be a screenwriter first and everything. Cause back in 2003, I was nowhere near the film industry at that time, but uh, you know, uh, but slowly got into it. My wife uh, is, was a big factor in pushing me into the film industry. When I met her, she was like, you gotta, you gotta make this stuff. You, you, you have a good passion for it. You just do it. And I, and you know what I just did? I kind of jumped in, uh, made some pretty poor projects when I started, but uh, uh, I'm really happy where we got the script now because um, it did take me a while. I, I felt like I had to to crack a code with it a little bit because uh, I didn't just want to rehash the original. I didn't want to do a remake of the original, but I still wanted it gritty and disturbing in in its own way. We knew the family from the original was a cannibal family, and that's great. And, you know, that was eerie. And it was subtle, too. The, all that cannibalism stuff in the original was very, very subtle. But you knew it was there. You know, you you know it because you see the barbecue in the barbecue shack and the way she's looking at it in, in there. And she's just had a very traumatic experience. It's, it's nothing is said, but you see it and you start to think, Ooh, are these guys eating people? You know, it's, it's subtle stuff like that. And that was the kind of subtlety I wanted in my film. Um, but you know, the cannibalism stuff has kind of been done. So, I mean, I'm not, it's, I'm not going to ignore it, but at the same time, that can't be the main disturbing factor of, uh, of what my film had to be. So I've, you know, I, I definitely feel like I found the right path for that. Um, I'm not, you know, from the reactions I've got from everybody that's read the script so far, it's pretty disturbing. <laughs> so uh, that's good. <laughs> we're happy about that. <laughs> uh, we're just a little over the halfway point, crowdfunding on Indiegogo. So there's still lots of time to, to, to contribute to it. Um, Perks range from $5 all the way to 10K. That's Canadian, of course, so that would be a little bit lower in the U.S. I think, uh, you know, if we raise enough, we can actually bring it to Texas, which I think is is important myself. Some people don't think it's as important as other people, and, you know, that's okay. Obviously, I'm, I'm not going to shoot it in Bulgaria, though, like they, like they are with the studios right now. Which, you know, I get it, but at the same time, you're a big studio. Shoot the damn thing in Texas, you know, and help help support that campaign so we can actually get to Texas because uh, we got a long ways to go. We're going to do a second campaign in the spring, I think, though, uh, to really push the Texas goal. And uh, we're doing okay, but we need, we've got a long ways to go to that for that Texas goal. So that was always one of the, the biggest appeals of Leatherface to me. The, the thing that made him so disturbing was that, geez, he's cutting his victims' faces off and wearing them. I didn't know that was his deal when I first saw the movie. I say the word disturbing. It's really disturbing to know that, you know. That's the feel that uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, touching on the unknown stuff, you know. it's. Uh, I think that is one of the biggest fears that I've, you know, is not knowing what could come. Uh, being alone, you know, if, if you've ever been alone where, you, you, you know, it's dark or something like that and, and you don't know who's, who's, who could be there and if it's even possible. You know, we, when we're kids, we, we summon these demons in our, in our head like there's a monster under the bed or, 
or uh, you know, or in the closet or whatever, or maybe somebody's hiding there. And and uh, it's actually a, a positive thing. I think people look at a lot of this stuff as a negative thing, but it's a way of getting out our own our our own demons. I think, and uh, you know, that's why I, I'm always willing to explore them. You know, people look at a, te- a movie like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and say, "Boy, that's a." A miserable movie that's going to create killers and stuff. You know, people are going to die because there's Leatherface copycats or something like that. Uh, and I just think that's a really poor way to look at it. The fact is that we live in a, a pretty miserable world, and this films like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you, you know, use that sort of feel that we have in the world as a reflection, maybe even as a bit of a warning. Um, to what what could be to come, and and uh, and help us be a little bit more aware of uh, of who who we are as people, and any negative things that we could have upon ourselves. You know, um, you know, it's hard to explain, but uh, especially psychological stuff. When you can look at somebody psychologically, it, look at what demons could be in your head. Um, and you see a film that has as a character like that that's gone crazy, and you think to yourself, "Geez, could I do that? You know, uh, do I have it in me to do to end up like this person that's in this film?" And I think we all have that dark part in our he- in our heads, you know. That uh, you, what would it take for us to get there? You know, what are what 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 could happen? You know, if I was taken to that extreme dark place you know because we're all capable of doing pretty nasty stuff and i just think it's better to actually be aware of it rather than hide from it and i think horror movies give you that that ability to to find that to find to not hide from it anymore because we shouldn't hide from it we i think if we hide from it it's going to stay in us until it explodes um, so that's that to me is is a real positive when it comes to horror movies is it really helps us find the darkness within us because it's there and nobody can hide from it. Nobody can hide from it. We all have that dark part of our minds. So, I mean, at the end of the day, there were a lot of terrible people in the world before horror movies ever existed. So, um, well, both, <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you could just look at the list. You know, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of terrible people. When you're young, you're you're just scared of these things and you don't know why and then when you actually discover them and you discover why you're afraid of these things then you can actually have fun with them a little bit and that's good (laughs) so where i live in the okanagan um there's a bit of a legend here uh i remember i used to hear about it a lot when i was a kid we didn't actually live uh in in the okanagan when i was a kid i lived uh, about four hours away but we would come to Kelowna which is where I, the, the city I live in. Uh, we've come to Kelowna fairly regularly because we had family here. And uh, I, I remember pretty young age, uh, whenever we used to go visit our family here, our cousins and stuff, and we'd go to the beach and go swimming and hear about the uh, the legendary Ogopogo. I mean, honestly, my first thoughts on Ogopogo was it's not, not exactly very scary. Uh, I mean, just listen to the name Ogopogo. It doesn't exactly sound intimidating, <laughs> but I think it, I mean, it comes with the name of the, the region, the Okanagan. Uh, I have no idea what, what any of that means. It's all native. Uh, uh, they're all native terms as far as I know. 
but uh, when you learn, when I learned more about it, and then I learned about the uh, Loch Ness monster, they're very much the, the same type of thing—an old species that's living in the lake. You know, a very large creature living in the lake, and that became quite famous here. I'm not even sure how far back that legend even goes, but I know. I mean, there was definitely been a lot of sightings, uh, especially back in the '70s and early '80s. Uh, I've even seen some video footage of like a water skier uh, out on the lake and then falling down and, and just screaming. They, they recorded her on video and everything. She was just screaming, like, what is she screaming it about? And she said, so there was something there. There was something there. There was a creature there. It was a very large creature. You didn't see anything on video, though, so you almost kind of kind of wonder if this is all a big hoax. And I, I, I honestly thought that for quite a long time. That uh, that it was just some big hoax, uh, because I'd never seen anything. We, you know, we were always told about it. Our cousins would probably would try to scare us with it, but I never found it to be that scary when I was a kid. Uh, then I remember my grandmother said she saw the Ogopogo, <laughs> and that kind of made me wonder maybe a little bit more. Maybe there is something there. Because uh, my grandma was not known to be a liar. She was a lot of things, but she was definitely not. Uh, a liar and you definitely you know that she must have seen something i mean she rarely even went to Kelowna. she's she was uh born and raised in the kootenays all her life and going to Kelowna was a, a pretty rare occasion but uh i think she had a friend that lived uh lived in Kelowna that she was staying with for a very short time yeah that's uh, to my recollection so i this happened probably when i was about 11 years old you know when she came back she's like guess what? I saw the Ogopogo. And we thought, okay, really? And I remember my dad was very, very much the same. Like, no, you didn't. You didn't <laughs> Your eyes are playing tricks on you. You're in a, so, you know, um, cause my dad is, my dad is very, very much one of those, uh, people that uh, won't believe anything until he sees it. I'm kind of the same way, to be honest with you. I've always felt that way. Um, but my own experience with the Ogopogo, uh, goes to about when I was 17. That was the, the very, my only actual experience that I could say I definitely saw something. Um, but I, I can't confirm what it was by any means. It, it lasted all of about a second or maybe even two seconds. I don't know, but I gotta admit what I saw kind of scared the shit out of me for a brief, brief moment. I thought, whoa. What was that? Um, so my own experience goes back. I was hanging out with a couple of friends of mine back then. We were we were just you know kids having fun. We went down to this uh, this hotel uh, this, this uh, big hotel in Kelowna, basically, and they're right on the on the lake shore. And uh, we, we, what we like to do is we like to ride our buddies. Uh, one of them, one he had a BMX bike, and we used to ride it off into the lake, off of the boathouse into the lake. It was a lot of fun. I uh, loved doing that kind of stuff when I was a kid. Now I'd probably never do it, but you know, looking back, it was a lot of fun. Um, getting that bike out of the lake was always a pain in the butt, though. <laughs> but anyways, we were doing that, um, and I, you know, I just happened to turn towards uh, the bridge, which is which is probably a couple of uh, at least a mile away from uh, where we were. Um, the big, uh, the big bridge that we have that goes across the lake. And I just remember turning towards there and I just saw this sort of thing spiral through the, uh, 
through the water and it was really weirded out as to what it could be. I can't say it was like some giant sea monster. It must have been pretty big because, I mean, it was quite a ways away. It was much closer to the bridge than it was to us. So, you know, it was probably at least a kilometer away, probably more. And I saw it, but it was like two seconds. It was just circular motion. It was almost like if you see a whale, a whale jumping out of the water in, in the ocean. So it's hard to it's hard to really say how big this thing was, but it had to have been big enough that I could see it from quite a distance away. And it just it was a quick spiral through the water, and it just caught my attention. And uh, the other two actually didn't see it; they actually both missed it. I'm like, did you did either of you guys see that? And they're like, what what what? And you know they weren't uh, they weren't paying attention, and I just happened to see this. What it was, I don't know. Uh, we've had mo a lot of rumors that, uh, that it's just some sort of giant fish of some kind. Um, and I, I could see that. Um, but there was definitely something there that you wouldn't think to be just showing up in a lake. And I was a, I was pretty much a non-believer of Ogopogo because every bit of footage I seen, there was like just, you know, waves in the water, you know, the little ripples here and there's nothing really conclusive that says this is some giant sea monster. There was nothing, nothing I had ever seen before until that time. Again, I don't know what it, what it could have been. Um, I'm not really good with the uh, different types of uh, fish or creatures that could possibly live in the, uh, in a lake, <laughs> but uh, they do say our lake here, uh, the Okanagan Lake uh, goes fairly deep. So who knows? There could be something there. It's uh, I definitely saw something. I don't think it was just my eyes playing tricks on me. Uh, not when I was young like that. I would probably say that now, now that I'm getting older, my eyesight isn't quite what it once was. But back when I was 17 years old, I don't think so. My eyes were really, really sharp. And I saw something there. There was definitely something there. And it freaked the heck out of me. And, uh, I got to admit, it made me weary about going into the water. It's, it's kind of like that Jaws effect, you know, <laughs> like after you watch Jaws, you don't want to go, go swimming. Uh, geez, I didn't even want to go swimming in a pool after I saw Jaws. It scared me that much. I still went in, but you know, I still went in the water, but you know, it kind of creeped me out a little bit. So who knows? But you know, at the same time, who knows? Um, Maybe my eyes were playing tricks on me, but I don't think so. <laughs> I definitely don't think that my eyes were playing tricks on me. So uh, that's my experience with that. And uh, again, it's the unknown. I love the unknown. Do you want to try to scare me? If you've had or have heard about a paranormal experience you'd like to share, or if the area you live in has a particularly scary legend or lore, I want to hear it. Send an email to scareme at albiroblesvoice.com. Scare Me is produced by Albi Robles Voice and features original music by Adam Clifton. For voiceover booking information or to inquire about having your own podcast produced, go to www.albiroblesvoice.com.